Oh, Baskin. Ozzy Osbourne, but even better. I think it might be better. That's Tim Lacombe, lead singer for the Party Hounds, Gordon. Gordon Monson joining me today. I'm PK. DJ's out. That is, do you realize that's Tim Lacombe banging out Ozzy Osbourne right there? Yeah, but my question is, has Tim ever bitten the head off a chicken? I know a chicken has tried to bite Tim Lacombe's head. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Oh, sorry. Did I? I, 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 I got too quick, but yeah, I bit off a rodent. I never got quite to the chicken or the bat, you know. It didn't work for me. The rodent, it was gross. It was gross. It's, yeah. What? Uh, why, why, why rock and roll? I mean, is this just a love of yours that you've always had? Yeah, I think, uh, you know what? The psychological part of it, I think uh, the more I've studied rock and roll and kind of what it is, you know, I, as a young kid, I lost my dad uh, and kind of got uprooted from a place I was used to living and moved way far away. And, uh, you know, I think that the new group of friends I made and uh, all that stuff, I think it was, I think it was a form of, you know, crying out, rebellion, trying to figure out what was going on in my life. And I, I just latched on to music at a really young age. And it's, you know, I, I have friends that say, you know, they'll see the model of car I drive and they'll say, is that Tim? Wait a second. Let's see if we can see the drum solo, you know, because my arms are flying around. Uh, and they were, if they're behind me, you know, they can see it's me. So music's just, a, to me, it's like, one of the essentials is like breathing and eating and uh i guess that's about all i do now is this, breathe and eat this this isn't exactly sports related but i'm interested in both yours and pk's opinion on this i saw an interview done by steve perry and he said that when bands break up he said a lot of the stuff comes to the forefront of uh, uh, problems that, that musicians have had since their childhood. And he said, by by nature, many musicians are, oh, I don't know what word to use, avoiders. He said, that's what we do. We make music, we go to a hotel, we perform, we move on, we go to the next show, then we go on to the next show and the next show and the next show, and we don't face our problems. We uh, avoid them. Uh, you think there's any credibility to that? That's what Steve said about himself. I would say so, um, but I think that could be said for everybody, right? I think that's the majority of, of we, we just get used to living our life with our own blind spots. Anyway, this this got off the rails early. This is like a Dr. <laughs> Phil episode. That's what you get with Gordon. <laughs> well, Sorry. I started it. You know, I apologize. Mike goes on the couch. No, I mean, I started it. My fault. Well, PK, you've studied music as much as anyone I know. I don't avoid problems. I look that in the mirror and just. Uh, yeah, that's right. You look at a problem in the mirror every day. <laughs> I obsess over my problems starting at ten oh one every day. So I don't avoid them. I face them head on and just uh, I live my life from a regret standpoint. What could I have done differently? But that's just me. That's why I'm sick and twisted. <laughs> that's that's so healthy. Anyway, <laughs> this has been brought to you by 1-800-SEEK-HELP. You're crazy. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, I thought, first off, uh, Craig Smith, we're going to have him coming on. Uh, what did you think? 
Well, I, I think it was an awesome hire. Um, you know, I think that the process itself was probably, you know, that, that's what's interesting about a coaching search. You never really have the insight, um, but you can kind of talk and ask around. And, um, you know, my vibe on it is I think, you know, Craig was one of a few candidates that the, the U was really interested in uh, all along. Uh, I think that as, you know, the the search – sorry – I, I thought that the search, um, you know, as it went on, it was interesting with Alex and Johnny, uh, you know, and, and them both kind of feeling like it wasn't the right thing, the right time. And I think during that, you know, couple of days, I think a lot of that stuff with Craig was probably starting to, to form and get done. But I love him. I think he's a great coach and a great person. Um, he's He's certainly done – better than I would have ever thought possible in, you know, in those three years at Utah state, I thought he was coming in, you know, um, after Tim and he was going to kind of have to really kind of start <clears throat> from scratch. And, you know, the big piece, he had Sam Merrill and, and then he went and got Kata. So I think that those things are, 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 you know, indicative of what he's capable of doing and, and Utah is going to be in a great spot. By the way, I saw that uh, DeMarlo Slocum and Eric Peterson are coming as his assistants at Utah. I don't know if you know either of them very well, but uh, I thought that was interesting. If you have a thought on that, please share it. But I wanted to ask you, Tim, how important is it for the head coach to be super enthusiastic? Mark Pope is that way. Craig Smith is that way. Is that a way of the future? Because uh, of all the words I would choose to uh, describe Larry Kraskoviak, I'm not sure that enthusiastic is the one that would come to mind first. Um, you know, I think what what the enthusiastic, you know, I think there's there's almost kind of brands of, and just like personalities. Um, you know, it was interesting last night watching Mark Few, and, um, you know, Mark's about as down-to-earth and, and pretty simple as it gets. I remember getting a text a couple of years ago from Fuey asking how my day was going. Um, it was during the season, you know, it was a practice day and it was like noon or one o'clock. I think they're practicing in the afternoon and he was out snowshoeing before practice. I mean, he's got it so in perspective. I think the new age really is, um, has almost kind of mirrored social media and, I think there's an element now that is, uh, as a coach, you also kind of have to be a producer and a hype man. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing that comes with all that stuff is all, you know, that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be judged on, you know, how many spots you do on television or how many mentions you get from ESPN or, uh, you know, how many videos from your team go viral. I think it's going to be, how substance, you know, substantive is your team? How far can you go? You know, how, how well can you do in your league? How far can you go in a tournament? And, and those things are always going to be the men- benchmarks. But I think what what our day and age now is about is glitz, glamour, the moment. And I think there's probably, you know, somebody on every staff that should have um, their finger on the pulse there. Yeah, that's interesting. And you obviously have a close relationship with Mark Few. I've interviewed him many times over the years, and I always found him to be matter-of-fact. Certainly not rude, uh, and he can engage, but when, and I've had a couple of one-on-ones with him, 
and there were conversations that we were having it and they were of a serious tone uh, i was talking to him about building a program once down at the orleans after i think a semifinal, and he gave me some great answers but it was it was deep it wasn't about uh glitz and glamour as you say and right now nobody's better or hotter than mark few and then i, I brought this up earlier i, I look at mark pope and you got to win in the NCAA tournament, and he's got to get over that hump. Now, he's only 0 for 1. It's not like uh, he's crashed and burned a thousand times over. I'm not saying that by well, any Well, and stretch. the team they lost to happened to go to the Final Four, too. Right? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Indeed. yeah. So, that, I mean, ni- nice 11 seed there uh, as far as that goes, too. Yeah, so that was a difficult task. But I, I bring up the case of uh, Kobe Lee. And, you know, I can remember last year he's just pumping and pumping and pumping him. And then this year, he plays a little bit, and then at the end, he's not playing at all. So the point I'm being for you, and Craig Smith, he has a ton of enthusiasm. How much of that, though, has to be genuine and be real? Because if you do it too much and you tell me, well, this kid's going to be all that, and he's not, well, then I start to tune you out a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you're on to something. I think that uh, that really the – the methods and the means and everything that is required to be successful in coaching hasn't changed. That's all, you know, very, very straightforward. And, and we saw great examples of um, guys who, you know, like Mick Cronin, uh, he went into UCLA and Mick's got a certain way about him and his way is his way or the highway. Um, he is going to absolutely coach you and he's never, ever going to stop. And, you know, it doesn't matter if there's two minutes left in practice or, um, you know, the last drill of the day, he's, he's relentless on teaching and demanding you do it right. And I think that those types of things are probably the things that are certainly more important than all of the, you know, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, the way I, I it's almost like there, there's, a, a campaign or self-promotion, you know, coming out of every school. And, and it, it's not, I'm not being critical. It's just what it has to be nowadays. Um, everybody's got a Twitter, everybody's got a Instagram. So, you know, the more creative and unique and interesting you can be, um, just like a product you scan through, you know, on, on Instagram, that's what these teams and programs are competing with. So I totally understand the, the necessary um, evil of it, but, at the same time, yeah, you're right. You you know, the problem is all this stuff that's said is on tape or in the paper or written in, you know, uh, comments in an article after a game. And and kids, all kids want to do, they just want to be able to be coached. But what I found more than anything is they just want you to be straight with them. And you don't always have to give them good news, but you always got to be straight with them. And I think that that type of, you know, where the game's going now and where, all this stuff, you know, I can't even imagine recruiting now. And literally, you've got a kid, if you're lucky, for eight months. And the problem with that is you've got to recruit him every day for eight months. And so I guess what I'm getting to is kids want to be told the truth. And, you know, all that other stuff, you know, with marketing, we know that marketing it isn't always truth. And so that's going to be the balancing act. How do coaches, you know, do plenty of that other stuff, but at the same time, be able to look their team in the eye and their team look back at them and say, hey, we're on the same page. 
So, Tim, I wanted to ask you about this Final Four now, Houston, Baylor, UCLA, Gonzaga. Uh, Houston's pretty good, but does everyone want to see Gonzaga and Baylor? Is that is that what you think is going to happen? That's typically um, – I think that's what pretty much everybody thinks is going to happen. Um, I think Kelvin Sampson going to have something to say about that. Just, uh, you know, I think – it's Baylor, Houston, right? And Gonzaga, UCLA, yes. or those? Is that the matchups? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Baylor Houston game, they better have, typically, if there's like one stretcher there, you know, there's typically a stretch there for precaution. There better be 14 of them because <laughs> that thing is going to be, seriously, if you want to watch a game that's probably going to be like 10 7 at the half, <laughs> is my guess. I mean, something just stupid crazy. It's going to be so physical. Um, and I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston found a way to get Baylor. I think Baylor's better, but Kelvin's just a magician, kind of kind of like Majerus was at scouting and getting teams out of their rhythm. He came into the Marriott Center a couple of years ago um, when we were there, and we you know we were pretty up tempo and we couldn't get out and run. Like he just took he just flat took our 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 uh, transition away from us. And they just execute so well on offense. They don't score it great, but they execute. So um, I think Gonzaga is the best team, you know, by far. I mean, when I say by far, probably, I think they're they may be a few a few points better than Baylor, six or so. But I think everybody else, I think they'll they'll have a, an easy time with. Um, I think Gonzaga is going to win it. I'm actually I don't know I don't know what's going to happen in that Baylor Houston game other than it's going to be a bloodbath. What can these other teams, whether they be here uh, locally in either conference, the West Coast Conference or Pac-12, what can they draw from Gonzaga that can help them because Gonzaga has it going on to the highest level right now? Well, the crazy thing about Gonzaga is, it, 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 you know, we see Gonzaga right now. Um, but, you know, I was looking back at film. They were showing last night of North Carolina beating them with Morrison. Um you know, Gonzaga had that game one and turned it over and, and really lost it tough. You know, and I kind of look at the, the sideline over there and I see those, I see Mark standing there, I see the team, you know, the guys and um, that have been there, Tommy Lloyd. So these guys have been at this a long time. And I think what they've done is they've really kind of created a science of, of identifying and recruiting and you know, they were one of the first programs that really kind of started to actively pursue high-level transfers, you know, as a mid-major, quote-unquote mid-major, to, to get them interested. And I think it's just been interesting over the years to watch the the gradual growth. I mean, it's crazy to think this is the team that we beat uh, to go to the Sweet 16 um, in 2000, you know, 2011. So, um They've they've been at this a long time, and I couldn't be more happy for them. But it's not like you can just – I think one of the things that's different nowadays is coaches and players, you know, there's not that whole concept of building. You know, you you almost put the car together, drive this – you know, drive the car for a season and then rip the thing apart and go get new pieces. Um, And so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if if a team like – Gonzaga can really kind of rise up from the ashes um, of mid-majordom, and really, that's the part that's the most amazing to me. Is we, 
all these years, and I thought, God, we'll never catch Gonzaga. Well, guess what? Nobody really will because they're the number one team in the country. Um, and so it makes all those, those that pain kind of – I understand a little better now, I guess. You got any more, Gordon? No, I, I heard Jake say it was time to go to break, so I'm nothing but obedient. Did he right, do it like you, this? Let's go to break. You you take the role you're taking the role of DJ, and so you ignore that. <laughs> that what, you guys just I, blow I, through those all the time. Hey, that's what I do during the big show. Enough, I I take a lot of heat for that, but uh, I thought <laughs> I would I would listen to the man yak. So you got Gonzaga winning it all? Yeah, I got Gonzaga winning it all. Smart, smart man, and they just actually I got awesome three team. out of the four. I Alabama let me down, but I got oh. Houston, Baylor, Gonzaga. Oh, good for you. You know what's scary is that if a uh, few is going to start getting these top flight high school kids, forget it. It's yeah, over. No kidding. Oh, well, he, he just, just, he just landed his the, best recruit, right? Yeah, yeah, or one yeah. of the best. I know. Yeah. And Walker Kessler's had you know rumored to be headed there from North Carolina. So right, just, well, he, you know what? He's always mined the transfer market. The transfer market and the foreign kid have always been uh, integral. But if he's going to get Suggs and this other kid, and they're going to be high that's, schoolers. But that's the, that's where you go. You, it's the pools you fish out of. <laughs> he, he's found the honey hole here now because he's got the best of both worlds. Now he can get exactly. transfers. Now he can get Euros. And now right. he, can, he can get the best players in the U.S. coming out of high school for a year. Yeah, okay, so uh, you said, how, how, t- tell me this. I mean, we're talking about Spokane, Washington here. How is he doing it? How is he doing? I understand he wins. He's set this tradition and all that stuff, and people now understand Gonzaga is a great, great program. But how in the world? You know, I look at BYU, and I look at Utah, and I think, okay, what can they do to create what Mark Few? Well, it actually started before him, but, I mean, it's amazing. It is. It's it's actually a story of disruption. You know, we talk about disruption all over, you know, every every market. This was a basketball disruption, and they just went about it different. They played different. Um, they recruited different, and what they've got is something that worked out. You know, they've got a they've got a really cool pending IPO coming out really soon. So I think it's uh, I think it's a it would be an awesome study what you guys talk about. In fact, you know, if I was a writer, maybe I'd study the history of Gonzaga and write a book about it. But I'm not a writer. I wish I knew one. I don't know any. Uh, and I'll leave you with this. PK, you said, you know what's scary? I'll tell you what's scary. What? They let Gordon Monson, Patrick Kinahan, and Tim Lacombe on the free air, air, airwaves for 19 minutes and 35 seconds without supervision. <laughs> That's scary. Oh, and he's th- not, not one dumb button. <laughs> All right, Gordon, send us a break with some swear words. <laughs> I was tempted in the last segment, but uh, no, I will uh, follow Joe Ingles' example and hold back. Okay. Do like, the, do like the cartoons. <laughs> Something like that. Thanks, We're here guys. tonight with the Jazz, Tim, at uh, 5 o'clock. Get us ready for the game at 6 o'clock, okay? Yeah, I'll be there. All right, thanks a lot. That's Tim McComb. You can hear him before and during and after all the Jazz games with Jay Scott. Jazz are playing the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. It's a 6 o'clock tip our time. So the pregame will start on 1280-975 at 5 o'clock.